Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team, and remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. the game starts here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dog Check. I am Max Loeb. Loeb's leads here with Eric Metcalf on our first official NFL offseason episode coming off of a crazy Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers. Wild, wild game. Eric, you were in Vegas, weren't you? How was that? It, it was good. I mean, you know, it was a little slow in the first half for sure because the defenses were, were making plays. There were a few turnovers and everything, but the offenses weren't, take, weren't taken advantage of. But in the end, because it was a close game and it went into overtime, that, that made it a good game. I, you know, when you, when you go into the games like this, I honestly thought Frisco would win. But in the back of my mind, I always said you can never count number 15 out of it. And, and they gave him too many opportunities. And you got maybe the greatest quarterback of all time sitting over there with one of the greatest play callers of all time in a, in a heated situation like that, and they came through like it, it, it was nothing. It, you didn't see them sweat at all. They yeah. always knew that they had a chance to win that game, and that's what made it fun. Absolutely. And like you talked about, they have who a lot of people think is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in a couple of years, could be the greatest in a lot of people's minds too. Like you just thought, and I know Patrick Mahomes said this in a lot of the, the press conferences, if that game stayed close, the Chiefs were going to get the ball back within one possession with a chance to either tie it, send it to overtime, or win the game. And both happened. They tied it and sent it to overtime. And then in overtime, they won the game. What did you think about the coin toss? Because I know the whole NFL rules thing was all over the screen. Everybody was talking about Kyle Shanahan's decision. In the moment, I didn't think much of it, to be honest with you, but reflecting on it, like I honestly, I do see both sides. I think he made the wrong decision, but I do see the other side. What did you think? It's, it's how do you, how do you feel at that moment as a coach? What do you feel about your defense? What do you feel about your offense? What is, what is your strength? Right. And mm-hmm. so I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I know a lot of people say he should have let them have the ball first and just to see if they have to kick a field goal or score a touchdown and make it yeah. uh, four, uh, four possessions or four play possessions every time. It's, it's hard. And so, you know, I, I probably would have kicked it and, and see what the, what, what, uh, the Chiefs were going to do first. But at the same time, it's, it's how do you feel? And he felt good about what they could do and, and, and 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 I feel sorry that a lot of guys said they didn't actually know the rules. Yeah. Right. And 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 so I mean, and everyone says Kyle Shanahan should explain that to him, but when you have five minutes, how do you know? 
you know, whether you, especially in the Super Bowl, because it's different than the regular season. So that mm-hmm. that would mean you would have had to went, gone through all that in in the, in the weeks pre- uh, preparing for this. And who would have thought this would ever come down to this, right? And so it's it's a it's a tough situation, and we always second guess after the fact. If he goes yeah. in there and scores a touchdown and wins the game, then no one's ever talking about it. Exactly. So and so you know it's it's kind of hard to say what he should have done. We just all have our own opinions and, and we get to be right about our opinions because they're ours. Yes, exactly. And we get to be right about the opinions after the fact too. That's when they, they really come out. I do think it's, you brought up a really good point. It's how you're feeling in the moment, because when you watch that game, right, it's not like this super high scoring game where one team was, you know, playing really good football in one half and the other one had a huge comeback. It was a nail biter. It was uh, tied for a large majority of that second half. It was a game that was going to be decided by probably a field goal or a little bit more than a field goal. So if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have an opportunity to also get an advantage in the third possession of overtime. If it were to get there, you get the ball. It's still tied after each team has one possession where you're kicking field goals all game. You're getting defensive stops all game like a tie was not a crazy thing to think could happen in those first two possessions. You have a chance to just go flat out win the game. Those old overtime rules are out. So. It, it's very much how you're feeling in the moment. And I know people will say, oh, the Chiefs were going to go to two, go for two. Number one, how on Kyle Shanahan's end, how do you know that? And who's to say the 49ers wouldn't have gone for two if they scored two? So right. I, right. there's a lot of back and forth here and there with that stuff. I don't know. I'm with you. It's hindsight is 2020. I think that's the biggest thing here. And like you said, if the 49ers came out, set the tone, score on that opening drive in overtime, we'd be praising Kyle Shanahan for the decision. Right. And then, and, and, you know, and, and think about this because all this occurs because of the block extra point. Yeah. Because, and there's probably no overtime. There is no overtime. Yeah. Because they, because, because they have to play for the win. Right. Mm-hmm. They're down four. And now they have to score a touchdown. So the things change. So you, you never know how it's going to go. People, it's, like you said, when you're watching it on TV, it's, it's easy to say, I would have, I could have. But, you know, yeah. sitting on the couch, I've completed one million passes without an yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thrown an incompletion sitting on the couch. And that's exactly. how everyone else is. <laughs> I'm thousand, I've batted a thousand percent. I've made a thousand, I mean, a million, a thousand percent free throws. I've never missed anything when I'm sitting on the couch. Exactly. Everyone is right now. That's how America was on Sunday, too. You're 100% right. I, I do think it's it's fascinating just thinking back on that game, too, right? It was – we talked about this even before we started recording. So much firepower. Obviously, the defenses were good, right? But so much firepower, Travis Kelsey, all the incredible players on the San Francisco 49ers offense, even some of those Chiefs receivers that are deep threats. There weren't as many explosive plays as we thought, too. And, like, the biggest explosive play that sticks out in my mind uh, was the pass to Miko Hardman that was 50 yards down the field that like we, we didn't think he would make a big play, nonetheless score the game when he touched down. It was weird seeing a defensive battle between those two teams because you think Chiefs, you think Mahomes, Kelsey, going to be a lot of points. Obviously, their defense was really good. And then you think the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon I, Debo Samuel. I know George Kittle was out for a little bit, but Kittle, even Brock Purdy, I didn't think Purdy played that bad. You thought there would be a lot of points between those two teams, but it, it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. And I thought, you know, like you said, with these high-flying offenses and all the players that they have, you would have expected more. I wanted to see 
big plays. But yeah. you got to credit both defensive coordinators. They were actually better than the offensive coordinators on mm-hmm. that day for the most part. They they did what they could do against those offenses. They controlled those offenses. And so the players and the coaches who game plan against those offenses did a, a great job. I think when it's all said and done, uh, offensively, KC was able to do a little more offensively than, yeah. than Frisco was. Frisco didn't take advantage of the, the turnovers. Um, they had a couple bad breaks, like the, the 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 punt that hit the guy's foot, and, mm. and so there's things like that. The the missed uh, extra points, things like that, that actually kept Frisco from winning the game. So they had a couple bad breaks, and once again, when you leave it, you leave a, a minute fifty three on the clock. Yeah, thing. That's way too much time. That's like almost a, a half a quarter, right? Yeah. So they, they they did a very good job at the end and and taking care of business and drawing up and designing plays that can get their guys open to to eventually get them the win. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up that punt return. Speaking from your experience as a returner, you see somebody near you tip the ball, you're falling on that ball, right? It, it all depends. You know what I mean? Because okay. it happens so fast. Because when you're back there as a punt returner, you're yelling, you know you're not going to catch it, and you're yelling, Peter, Peter, trying to get everybody away. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it hits a guy's foot. You don't know how to react. Yeah. Right? You don't know how to react because you're you're just thinking, oh, I got to do something. And and it happens that fast where if it doesn't hit his foot, Ray Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod never has to go touch the ball. But at that split second, Two yards in front of him, it hits his player's foot, and now he has to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for him, it took a bad bounce. And everyone's talking about, oh, he muffed the punt. He no, he did not. No. You also have to know the rules of the game, right? You if you never return the punt, been back there in a high pressure situation, you don't know what you're gonna do. Yeah, right. Because I mean, if if that would have touched uh, uh, a KC guy. And he and he must it like that. What happens? It's still the 49ers ball, but I bet a bunch of people don't know that. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> See, it's little things you have to know. And like I said, as a returner, as somebody who's been back there a bunch of times, never in the Super Bowl, which is even a more high pressure situation. When you have to react like that, it makes it hard. The ball took a, a bad bounce and he wasn't able to recover. Absolutely. I think everybody in America, like we just talked about, is right when they're sitting on their couch too, right? So you're right. If you've never been in those high-pressure situations, it is very difficult to to try to relate what you're going to do in that moment to a split-second decision. Because like you said, like bounced right off his foot, came right at Ray Ray McLeod too. Like you don't have time to react. It, it's just react. It, you got to do what you got to do. And again, like it, it honestly was a heads-up play by McLeod to go get hands on the football too. I think that's another thing that – you know, he, he could have let it go. He could have missed it. It was a good job by him to go get hands on the football. Obviously, you know, he didn't recover it. But like you talked about, the Chiefs took advantage of that. They scored. I, they may have even scored on the, the play after. They scored almost right away after they got that fumble, too. That was the difference. It, it was a difference. I mean, and that's what I say. When you have a team like that who's been in these situations, who's played in a, in a few Super Bowls prior to, that they have – they they – Hey, they're veterans. They know how to go through this, and so that yeah. gave them a, a shot in the arm. And then once they were, they had, they scored points there. They knew that they were in the game. Because you know, yeah. if you looked at the Chiefs, they didn't look very confident. Even though it was close, they didn't. They didn't seem to be looking confident. 
as as they had in in previous games just because they were trailing. And they they know they always have the ability to come back. But the way the game was going, you you, you just didn't know. You know, you got Kelsey beefing with Andy Reid. You got because they just didn't know. That's that's you know. In that situation, that's those guys being heated because now they're feeling the pressure of, are we going to actually win this game? Can we win this game? Yeah, that's a great point. I I thought that was crazy. I think that'd be talked about 10 times as much if the 49ers won the game too, because that was, that was insane. And, you know, you talk about it's guys getting, getting into it in the heat of the moment. Obviously again, people sitting on their couch probably have a different opinion, but that was, that was wild. Nonetheless, very exciting game, close game. Those are always good games. Probably wanted more points. I think most of America wanted more points, but what are you going to do? An exciting close Super Bowl, second Super Bowl that ever went to overtime too. Very, very cool. I, I, I think some people wanted more points. It all depends on what they bet. Right? Yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> when you're talking about these games, people that's why people are invested a lot into these games. Yeah. Now as well, it's the, the bets they place. Who mm-hmm. scores first? Who, you know? How long does the national anthem last? You know, it's just, and how, over yeah. under, who wins? Money line. It's, and and so that that makes people keep people interested, and that also changes their attitude about certain plays in the game. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much because so. Their money depends on plays that could have been made. Their money depends on that extra point being uh, being made or mm-hmm. missed. You know, and so because what the with the over under was at the end 46 and a half or so. Yeah. And they end up scoring 47 points. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's because only because they went into overtime. And so exactly. those things changed and those things changed people's perception of how the game actually went. Absolutely. That is a great point. And I know I know you weren't able to come on the episode last week, but I was talking I placed a bet I looked it was on August 19th. I placed a bet on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl and they did. So that's what I had going in that game. It was very, very unfortunate. I did bet on Christian McCaffrey to score the first touchdown, which was nice. But that uh, that 49ers bet that I placed back in August, uh, it hurt. It hurt watching that one go down. But, again, I, it, what are you going to do, right? You're just guessing at that point. But as we move towards the offseason and the Browns offseason specifically, I was looking. I want to read you a couple teams that those people in Vegas – think have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Cleveland Browns. I think a lot of these names are going to surprise you, like a lot. Uh, I'll start out with what I think is the most surprising, the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. Exactly. <laughs> Another team in that very, very similar vicinity, the Minnesota Vikings, they say have a better chance. Which... Do they know who their quarterback is going to be? <laughs> exactly. You got – and again, like N- NFC teams, NFC is a little bit weaker than the AFC. Like I get that part, but I don't think those two teams have a better chance. Jacksonville Jaguars, that was another one that I was like, are you sure the Jaguars really have a better chance than the Browns to win the Super Bowl? A team that just won all those games without so many of their starters. A team that the Browns beat on. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, what? I don't know how we we're doing this. I mean, of course, it could change as the season gets closer, yeah. and, and and I'm sure it will. And it depends on who signs, who um, who's able to keep uh, their free agents, or who able to get more free agents. I mean, they don't even know if they're going to sign Josh Allen at this point, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so we don't we, they don't know what they're going to be next year. I mean, they they were decent, but they they had the AFC South and blew it. Yes. 
and did. blew it. And now you're talking about they have a better chance. Okay, it's crazy. A couple other teams. I'll read them off for you: Jets, Chargers, Rams, Packers, Texans, Dolphins. Then you get into more of the heavyweights. But again, like teams like the the Chargers. Like again, I know Harbaugh's awesome, going to come in do a good job, but a lot of overhauling probably with that roster. The Jets, who knows? The Rams, who knows? Like there's to me. Browns are getting uh, disrespected in that sense a little bit. I, I think they're getting disrespected. We know they're getting disrespected. I mean, yeah. I think, and and not only are they getting disrespected, I think they're giving a lot of credit to like one guy in those situations. Yes. Talk to Chargers. They're giving a lot of credit and respect to Harbaugh. You're talking the Jets. They're talking about Aaron Rodgers being back, mm-hmm. right? You're talking uh, the Rams. You're talking about Sean McVay and, and, and Matt Stafford being the guys, you know, and so I I, I get it, but it's, it's still a team game. Guys have to play in between those white lines. You can do all the play calling you want, but if guys don't play in between those white lines, it doesn't matter. And so yep. right now, if we're looking at rosters, the Browns have the better roster. Oh, yeah. Right. And so what are we basing this on? They had the better season and they have the better roster. They have Coach of the year, uh, they have assistant coach of the year, and a defensive player of the year. What and comeback they, player of the year. Right, but we don't know what's going to uh, happen. Yeah, you're right. We yep, don't know what's going to happen with that. So, yep. with we with those three, what, what are we saying? I don't know what we're looking at either. I don't know. It's crazy. But right. it it's in, in the sense they are getting disrespected there. They certainly did not get disrespected in the NFL honors. Like you just talked about Jim Schwartz, assistant coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year, Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year. I know you weren't watching the honors. I was watching the honors. I think there was a, a lot of backlash on a couple of them. I think coach of the year was talked about a good amount, but I think people kind of agreed it was a two or three horse race between Kevin Stefanski, D'Amico Ryans, and Dan Campbell. I, Stefanski won by one vote. Like I, It was a coin toss between him and D'Amico Ryans. But again, you look at what Stefanski did with that beat up roster it was super super impressive and i know ryan's did an unbelievable job but that that texans team was moderately healthy throughout the year and i know they beat up on the browns but at the end of the day it's a regular season award whether it's right or wrong it is a regular season award and then defensive player of the year i mean everybody will they'll they'll say their own things about the sack numbers and you know the pressures everything like that at the end of the day you talked about it who votes for these players people who watch the film you can see the difference in who is a, a true athletic game breaker and who is another guy who's again, very, very good. It's not to say TJ Watt isn't a very, very good player, but who, who is not as at least seemingly as big of a game breaker as a guy like miles Garrett. I think they made the right decision, try to eliminate any bias in that. But what do you think? When I look at all these, these awards, uh, everybody who, who was a finalist, I would have to say they were worthy of winning the award. They could absolutely won the award depending on what the year what year it is it's all it's, it's like wine what do you like yeah right I, so i i don't want to talk i wouldn't want to talk about guys who didn't win it for what they had done because they mm-hmm. everybody did some some great things but when i'm talking about the browns and all the awards that they won we can go down the list of why they should have won these awards yeah talk about kevin stefanski as coach of the year he should have won the award because he kept the team together with that was decimated with injuries, played five quarterbacks during this year. I mean, I'll bet one was by choice, 
but still played five, four quarterbacks for the most part throughout the course of the year, ended up 11 and six in the playoffs and, and, and kept a team t- together where that could have easily fallen apart. We've seen mm-hmm. teams like this fall apart, you know, before. And they, they, they were able to stay together and get into the playoffs and keep winning games and give themselves a chance. And he, so he did a, a great job at that and, and managing this team throughout the course of the year. Now we go to coach of the year and, and Jim Schwartz. This defense was lights out for the most part. Yeah. These guys, they, they had a few different pieces than they did last year, but these guys were flying around making plays and, and especially at home were, were manhandling teams. And and that was because of the swag, the swag that Jim Schwartz brought to that, uh, that defense. Uh, he had guys knowing what they were doing, being in the right place, flying around and making plays. So I can see why he was given the award. Miles Garrett, he didn't have as many sacks as, as other guys, but so what? He was out there. He was disruptive. He was making plays. Like I said, we know who votes on, on, who, who votes on yeah. these awards. And so people thought he was the guy, even though he didn't have the numbers that, that other people had. And I always say to people, just because your numbers might not be good as someone else, that doesn't mean you're not better. Mm-hmm. Situations make a difference. When yes. you when you when you talk about a Miles Garrett, he always plays against that left tackle, who is mm-hmm. normal, who is usually the best tackle because he's got to protect the backside of the, the right-handed quarterback, right? Other guys play on the other side, right? Yep. <laughs> and so, and so. You can take that for whatever it's worth. I mean, people might say, oh, that's not true. Well, it is. Yeah. It, it, it really is. It's true. And so I, I like the fact that Miles was given that award because he went out there and made plays and led that defense that, that was in the top three defense all year. Right. So he, I feel good about him getting that award. Joe Flacco, I mean, he yeah. came with his couch. You know, he was he was at, at home playing Monopoly with his kids <laughs> <laughs> and everything. So when you're talking about him coming in off his couch, leading this team to the playoffs, the numbers he was he had during the, the course of the games that he played, I mean, you know, he was throwing it down the field. And it wasn't like he was just throwing it six, seven yards and guys were breaking for 70. He was throwing it down the field to guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like the fact that you know, he was at the – given that opportunity and guys felt strongly about him being a comeback player of the year. Yeah. I, I think when you look at the awards holistically, it, it just speaks to how special of a season it was for the Browns, despite all of this adversity, because again, I think Kevin's the fans. He's kind of the glue here. Like you talked about, he kept this team together. So many things could have deterred the overall success of this team, but they didn't. And at the end of the day, if your team isn't as successful as a lot of other teams, when you're looking at these individual awards, whether it's right or wrong, you're not always going to be up for these awards. You look at some of the best players, offense player of the year, defense player of the year, MVP, coach of the year specifically too. Your team has to be good. Your team has to win games, at least for the most part, to be in this discussion. So that's another huge, huge part of it. A lot of this is not possible without Kevin Stefanski keeping this team together. And again, I know he, like I said, won coach of the year by one vote. I think Jim Schwartz pretty handily won assistant coach of the year. Uh, Comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin, oddly enough, actually had more first place votes than Joe Flacco did, but Flacco had more second and third place in the whole point system. I don't know how entirely how it works, but 
Flacco won. And uh, I had the Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, Max Crosby defense player of the year was very, very close as well. So another incredible, incredible season for the Browns in that sense too. Good to see some award recognition, some individual recognition. I believe Miles Garrett was the first Browns player to ever win defense player of the year, correct? I'm not even sure. I mean, I think he was. I think that's what it was. Did Golick win it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So Either way. Won. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's won the war. Whoever won it, it was a long time ago, yeah. right? Right. And so, you know, when we're talking about these wars, all these guys were deserving. Um, I think the only award like I, that I think I wouldn't have given the Browns is probably comeback player of the year. I agree with you. I, that's the only one. That's yeah. the only one. I mean, I, I would have given them a, a second place vote, just like most yeah. people did, and that's why he won it. But I probably would have Demar Hamlin as, yeah. as as my my first, right? And so that 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 makes sense that um, Joe Flacco won it because of second place vote, second and third place votes. But we all know who we would have probably given it to in, in, as the number one. Yes, absolutely. And like when you look at the voting too, you think about it chances are the reason that Joe Flacco had all these second and third place votes where Hamlin didn't get any of those votes were because you either thought Tamar Hamlin had the comeback, deserved it, or he didn't deserve any recognition. So right. it's a, it's a very much a thought process thing. I'm a hundred percent with you too, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very different comeback from like you said, sitting on your couch, playing kids with your, playing Monopoly with your kids. Like it, uh, it's a, it's a different world. It's a different comeback story too. And, I don't know if Flacco winning the award truly takes away from what Hamlin did, but it's it's got we got to remember what he did as something that's remarkable and special for sure. Right, and all the like I said, and all the awards that these, these Browns received, it takes nothing away from what the other guys did. Yes, they they were remarkable in what they did, whether it be a, a coach or or players, and, and and so that that's what they did, but. People just recognize the fact for the and it's like really the first time that they that they recognize all these Browns for being successful at something. That's and that's what I feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot. If you had to give one Browns player or coach, I guess Browns player or coach, uh, a future award to win next year, who are you picking and for what award? If you had to nominate one Browns player to either be a finalist for or win the award. Who are you taking? Ooh, finalist. I'm going to go. I'm going to go out there. I love it. I'm going JOK. Ooh, I like that. Uh, decent player of the year. I love that. Nice. I'm going out there on a limb. I like that. I, I'm going to go out there on a limb a little bit too. I think when you look at Nick Chubb's comeback, like obviously I, he will. I almost I'm, said that, but I don't know gonna, if he's coming back. <laughs> if he comes back, I will say I, I don't think he's a shoe in for comeback player of the year. That's not fair to any anybody else making comeback, but I like that. I'm going to throw his name in there for offensive player of the year too, though. I, I think it's hard for a running back to win MVP, but offensive player of the year, I think Nick Chubb comes back, is healthy, produces well in that offense. I I think he's going to be in there. I think we're going to see at least somewhat the Nick Chubb of old next year. And I'm, I'm very excited for it. That would be great. Yeah. You know, I, if we see him on the field, I'm happy. Yes. You know, it's one of those situations. It's almost, and I don't ever want to minimize what happened with DeMar Hamlin, right? But yeah. the way people feel about Nick Chubb, 
as a, as a Cleveland Brown, him coming back and playing and be able to play throughout the course of the year, that makes me and, and Browns fans feel good. So I, I feel I feel like he would get my first place vote if he was able to go out there and, and, and produce. Absolutely, yes. It uh, It's going to be a long road to recovery for Nick Chubb. He's well on his way. Good seeing him without crutches. I believe it was the Thursday night game against the Jets, too. He was out there without crutches, which was great to see. Slowly but surely coming back, we will slowly but surely get through this long offseason. You guys can find us on Instagram, TikTok, X, all that stuff. We'll be here on be on here every week as well, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you guys watching and listening. Eric, any final words before we sign off? Go get T. Higgins. Oh, okay. I, hey, I, financially, if they can do that, I, will, I fully endorse it. Fully endorse it. Let's just let's see if they can do it financially. That's the real question here. Let's figure it out. Yeah, figure it out one way or another. We appreciate you guys again. This is Dog Check presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones, who get it done.